Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, from Wichita's most listened to sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH, this is Sports Daily with Jacob Albrocht and Tommy Kester. And it is a Thursday edition of Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you on this Thursday. Uh, We will talk about the Shockers' big win last night. That's what we're talking about. Uh, We will get into some K-State talk with a K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald, a little later in this hour as well. A lot of fun things to make our way through here on the program today. A big night of women's hoops last night as well. A massive win for the K-State women, um, most notably against a ranked team, which was really cool to see. KU's on a heater too. Now, they lost to Baylor on the road last night. Nothing to shake a stick at. They've really uh, heated up lately as well, Uh, but... Lot to get to today. Tommy, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm looking forward to getting into it today. You know, we've been, uh, I think, rightfully critical of Wichita State over the last several weeks. And uh, to me, it looked like they were angry. They were angry last night. They wanted to put out, you know, a full-fledged effort over 40 minutes, and they did that. So looking forward to talking about that today. Yeah, love love that effort from them last night. We'll get into it in a minute. Uh, A couple of other things to tell you about, though. We're going to have information for a big giveaway uh, to some college basketball postseason action. So stay tuned for that. We'll give away some HTOT and coffee as well. Uh, We're going to get you all kinds of fun stuff coming today. So hang in there. That KFH hotline is open, 869-1240. We mentioned this yesterday. It's probably more open now than it has been in six or seven months. So if something's on your mind, you want to chime in, you can give us a call and do that. Uh, But we do start with the Shockers today. And what a nice bounce-back performance. Look, I, I think we have to look at the season for what it is. And it will be disappointing almost no matter what happens here outside of a deep like postseason run and honestly outside of a, a postseason conference tournament win, which is possible based on the way we've seen them play some of the best teams in the league. We'll look at this and think disappointment as far as results, but that doesn't mean it has to be an overwhelmingly disappointing season. If the team gets better at the end of the year and plays its best best basketball at the end of the year, that certainly will get the arrow pointed back in the right direction heading into the offseason. It would be a very good thing, and it starts 
Uh, you know, we'd liked it to start a little earlier, but it certainly can start with Tulsa at home. You got to follow it up this weekend with a good performance against Temple at home. But that's a revenge game, right? That's a rivalry game. Get up for that game. And they did. They did. They were up 25, I think, with, I don't know, a handful of minutes to go. And Tulsa got it back within like 16 or something at the end. I'm not real worried about that. Um, but it was a start to finish, wire to wire dominating performance and yeah you look at the box score and Tulsa outscored him again in the second half that was not the same as we've seen second halves in the past that was just a simple fact of the Shockers had a massive lead and then at the end they finally uh, made some substitutions did some things that's exactly what we needed to see Tommy and you know I it's I don't think we're ever gonna like have with this group consistency and like who's leading the way it's most often Colby Rogers certainly at least offensively but Kenny Poto had a really nice game for the first time in a little while um you know Harlan Beverly didn't have to have the game he missed a lot of bunnies he he could have easily had a much better offensive performance uh but too many turnovers still Tommy certainly but some of the things offensively we want to see at least they did win the rebounding battle um, you know, they didn't attempt a ton of threes. It's just not their strength. So I think there are things to point to that you feel good about that will be formulas for this team to win. Got to cut the turnovers out. Like, that's the thing that has killed them. Uh, but otherwise, it was a pretty good game. Well, and they actually put together an effort that, you know, I think the fan base, they want to see. That's the kind of shocker basketball that Wichita State fans are accustomed to and that they've, you know, grown to love over the years going back 30 or 40 years and, and through the last decade, that's the kind of effort and the kind of, you know, defensive prowess and hustle and intensity and, you know, all of that, that, you know, I think people have obviously grown to love and appreciate about Shocker basketball, that brand of basketball over the years. You know, they forced a ton of turnovers. You talked about the turnovers that they committed, and that's true. But they also forced a bunch of turnovers as well, and they scored points off of those turnovers. They scored 17 points off 13 turnovers, and you know they were uh, going after loose balls quite a bit, those 50-50 balls, all of that. And so it, to me, it certainly wasn't a perfect performance. I think we all know that, but that's okay. What I was most concerned about and what we've talked about is this could have been a game where you know Wichita State said, look, our season is basically shot. It hasn't gone our way. Uh, we can just pack it in and go home for the remaining couple of weeks of the regular season. But instead, they came out strong in front of a home crowd uh, against a team that beat them on the road earlier this season. And they went out there and they executed in the way that they needed to. And they just basically out-toughed Tulsa. And that's the way that this team, I think, moving forward, is going to be able to put a nice bow on this season. It, overall, it's going to be viewed as a disappointment and in a, in a rebuilding season and all of that. But at the end of the day, you can find positivity if you can continue to execute in that way for the remaining few games that they have. Yeah, I. Um, it is that part of it is probably the most encouraging. I think to see the effort and the energy and all of those things remain, because at the end of the day, if if you know, if Paul Mills keeps this team motivated and keeps this team hungry, they're going to have a chance to do damage in the conference tournament. Now, the chances are not, you know, good, but we have seen whoever you feel the best of the league is at times, Florida Atlantic, 
in overtime. They played them very close out in Boca Raton. Memphis, a buzzer beater at Memphis, right? Like there are plenty of things, a win over SMU. There are plenty of things that give you hope if you can just have the team playing its best basketball at the time of the conference tournament that something special could happen. And again, it's not even like rose-colored glasses. It's reality. When you want something good to take away from a season, look for the good, and that's the good. If this team plays its best basketball and is motivated in doing those things, then they're going to have a chance. And if they could cut out turnovers, they'd really have a chance, Tommy, because that's been that, that has plagued them. And we look, we knew you know, the point guard position would be an interesting experiment for them this year. Um, it has, you know, they just, they turn the ball over too much and it kills them. It's not a great three-point shooting team. Like they just have to be tight and efficient on offense and they haven't been enough of that. But when you're playing, you know, Tulsa at home, just put, never take your, you know, your foot off the pedal and go. And that's what they did last night. And I do. I agree with you. Effort and energy is the most important takeaway from last night's game. That's what you have to see. That's the biggest concern, right? It's not only the biggest concern for fans, which it is, right? You don't want fans to lose effort and energy uh, around the program. But it's the biggest concern for the team, and they answered that call. Now then, how do you follow it up? Can you maintain that through another home game here that is um, against a team that you should want revenge against? Sort of, honestly, Tommy, it was sort of the beginning of this uh, stretch where we sort of started to scratch our heads a little bit. Losing to North Texas, we knew North Texas was probably pretty good. The Kansas and Kansas State losses, obviously, we're not terribly concerned with. It was that game at Temple where it's like, now hang on a minute. Like, what, what, what is this? And then it started spiraling for a while. So a great chance for revenge there. Uh, and then, you know, of these five games, four of them very winnable. Maybe they do something special and get a good UAB team on the road. I don't know. But you have to be able to follow up this performance. Last time this team won two games in a row, Tommy, November 29th. It's been a minute. So can they buck that trend now? We'll just take it baby steps. Win two in a row now. String something together here. Yeah, it's a Temple team that... I think that when the first game happened on the road at Temple and Wichita State lost, I don't think we quite knew that Temple was not going to be a good team in the conference. I, I don't think anybody had picked them to be great or anything, but I certainly, at the time, didn't anticipate that Temple would be you know, near the bottom of the American Conference and in, in the standings. And so now, you know, a few weeks later, as these two teams are set to square off again, this time inside Coke Arena, both teams are down at the bottom of the American Conference standings. But again, as we discussed yesterday, Wichita State is, is objectively better than Temple. It's kind of the same way with Tulsa last night. If you look at both Ken Palm and Net, Wichita State is better and higher in both of those rankings than Temple is. And that's the way that it's basically going to be down the stretch in their remaining home games. Of course, you've got uh, Rice to wrap up the regular season uh, the first weekend in March. But again, it's, a, it's the same kind of example of a team that Wichita State should beat because all the metrics tell you that the Shockers are better than the Owls are. So you've got to, again, follow up a, a good effort and a good intense battle last night against Tulsa 
with another one against Temple, a team that you should beat. That momentum is important. It's important to be able to, you know, we've talked about that snowball rolling down the hill in a negative way this season. Now you've got to start to get it rolling and get that momentum going the other direction. It's easier said than done, but the best way to keep that going is to back up a good effort last night with another one back at home on Sunday. Well, it's just been a long time since we've seen that, and timing is everything. The best time to get hot is late in the season. There's no question. I mean, the best time to get hot would be to string it together, make a little noise in the conference tournament, because now you've got fans engaged and excited again, potentially, for what might come next year. You know, we there are some pieces here. There's two highly touted freshmen coming in. What else can be done in the portal? What, you know, like the difference in making a little noise late and not will, I think, have a pretty significant impact on the perception of the program in this very, very critical offseason. An offseason, you can make a case, is as important as any that have happened. And I know the last one involved the hiring of a new head coach, which inherently makes it important, but now there is no newness on that. And so you got to get this offseason right if you're Wichita State. Well, getting fan support in today's college sports landscape is going to help you get it right. It's going to help you uh, raise the energy and momentum and funds, quite honestly, to get it right. So now's, now's the time. The schedule lends itself to being able to do something like that. And I'm, I am excited to see. You know, I, I hope nobody ever misunderstands frustration here. Like frustration here doesn't mean like, I'm not into anything that's happening with the program. It's frustrating because you want to see it be better. So I'm excited to potentially see it be better. And it started last night with a big win. And I'm very, very happy for that. I did not want the conversation today to go the way it has uh, for a little while with a home game against Tulsa. And not only did it not do that, I mean, Tommy, that's as good, other than the turnovers, right? That's as good as you want to see. Out of which, that's exactly what you want to see, quite frankly. I mean, they, they beat him bad last night. Yeah, I, 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 kind of echoing what you just said, we don't have fun talking about the Shockers in the way that we have over the last several weeks. I don't think anybody enjoys having that conversation. And if you do, uh, I, I don't know if I really want to be friends with you because it's not a fun topic. It's really not. When it's something that you know means as much as it does to this community, and, you know, in so many different ways that we have gone over multiple different times, it's not fun to have that conversation and to be critical in that way. I think you've said it before. There probably aren't two more people that, you know, or two people that want this more, want Wichita State to be as successful as you and I. And, and so it's good, you know, after a win to be able to point out, okay, they rallied. They absolutely rallied. And, you know, I think that we would be naive to think that, there's not been discussions within the program with the coaching staff and the players, not necessarily about outside noise, but just about, look, it's time to strap in and we've got to turn this around and we've got to, it's, it's going to take baby steps and we're, you know, this season is, we're not going anywhere, you know, big time this season, but we've, we can't give up and pack it in on this season. We've got to rally and we've got to turn it around now and we're going to take it game by game and we're going to make it happen. And so you could tell, and, and, you know, I, I've been, I think one of the things I've said in the past is that, um, from game to game, I'm never sure what I'm going to get or what we're going to get from the Shockers. I'm never sure what I'm going to be watching. I'm never really sure what that identity is with this team. 
last night, you could tell they came out of the gate with an identity, and that identity was going after loose basketballs, playing lockdown defense, forcing turnovers, scoring off of those turnovers. That's what they did. You could tell that identity from the minute the game started until the very end. You got to back it up and you got to keep that going because that worked last night and it can work moving forward. It can. And and I do want to like I, again, like based on what we've seen this year and at the top of the league it has been shakier, I will say, than probably we anticipated, or at least it doesn't look the way that we thought it was going to look with South Florida up there all alone by two games. South Florida's... They've won I mean, 12 they, in a row. Yeah, and, and look, their their net ranking isn't very good. They wouldn't be an at-large right now. Um, but if they can win the league, like it just doesn't look the way we thought. Right now, the two teams at the top of the league are not at-large teams. The only at-large potential you're looking at are FAU and SMU, potentially, because their net ranking is very good. They may get in either way. Um, Memphis has fallen too hard. North Texas would be fringy. So it's just not as dominant. We all thought that FAU was going to come in here and run the table based on what they did a year ago and based on what they returned and that Memphis would be up there. But the reality is neither of those things have happened. So if you look at it, and, and Charlotte, Wichita State didn't put up much of a fight against Charlotte. Uh, so that's a problem, right? South Florida was much closer. South Florida's a game, one of those games that you could point to and feel like it, the Shockers had a chance to win it. But there's not any team right now to me in the American that on a neutral court, you don't feel like the Shockers could go give them a run. Now, can they do that, whatever it would take, four or five times in a row? That's where it seems unlikely, but I don't think it's impossible and it's that sliver of hope that keeps you engaged, right? I thought the energy at Coke Arena felt like, on a television broadcast, pretty darn good last night. That's great to see. The energy has to be there heading into the offseason. Or, you know, the organization isn't going to be, what it, be able to do what it needs to do to get it to where fans really want it to be. It is chicken and egg. Right. Yeah. With NIL support, you have to be successful to garner the support, but you have to have the support now to build the success. So it does have to happen in tandem. The other thing to keep in mind, and, and this could be something and I don't know because I'm not in the program, but this could be a goal that maybe Paul Mills has set or at least, you know, have these conversations with his team and his staff. It looks like I mean, you've got enough games left in theory if you play well down the stretch and you're able to turn this into a little bit of a streak, you could play your way out of that opening day of the American tournament. Like you're kind of looking at seeding right now, right? And so the bottom four teams in the conference are going to play on that opening day of the tournament, uh, the conference tournament. If you get out of that bottom four, then you don't have to play in that opening round and you can, you know, maybe you can be the 10 seed at that point and skip that very first day. Um, so, I, I, and of course, it's going to you know, all play out and shake out. Uh, and so, but you could, in theory, play your way out of that. I don't know if that's anything that the coaching staff is looking at or if they're using that as a goal or, or whatever, but you, you could potentially have that happen. So you're talking about the team being able to you know, kind of play with anybody and compete with anybody in the conference. And, you know, the odds of them stringing together three or four games in that tournament is probably unlikely. But if you can slash one off and not have to worry about playing on that very first day, 
that does then help your case a little bit. I think you're kind of playing for seeding in the conference tournament at this point. Well, look, so if you look at the standings right now, you know, ninth is the best that they could be, I think, uh, because you're not going to pass East Carolina. You're not going to pass North Texas or Memphis. They all beat you. So, you know, you can you, – you, Tulsa, you're behind a game still even after the win last night. Rice and Tulane are two games – or a game and a half, I should say, ahead of you. They'll play both of those teams down the stretch. They could get up to nine. I'll say this, though. Playing in the first game against one of those teams is sort of a, a game to get warmed up is, is not the worst idea to me either. Um, if, the, if they are going to make noise in that tournament, they're going to have to be hot. So getting a game to sort of rev up the engine before everybody else sometimes can be good. You could be used for good. So I'm not too, I, I think it's I think it's okay either way. If the, if the team's going to have the buzz it needs at the end of the season, they can't lose a play-in game if they have to play a play-in game. That would, it wouldn't really matter. Really, they can't lose the first-round game, probably. Um, but I, I'm excited today. I'm more excited than I have been, and that's what happens when you win. But it's what happens when you win big like that and you respond to the adversity of last week. Keep it going. Big game now Sunday for the Shockers. Sunday is on ESPN. It's an ESPN game when we don't have football. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, ESPN's got Wichita State Temple, two teams at the bottom of the American. They might want to have that one back, but it's there. It is what it is, and people will be watching. And it's a time to put your program in the spotlight and make some noise and maybe show Coke Arena and how rowdy and loud it is in front of a national audience. And that stuff matters. You can use that stuff when you're trying to talk players into coming to play for your university. Um so good for the Shockers. They get a win that game on Sunday, 3 o'clock, national television broadcast against Temple. We'll see how they follow it up. When we come back, Adam Schefter has some just a, a, a thought this morning that has my juices flowing, that a lot of college coaches are leaving for the NFL when they get the opportunity, more perhaps than ever before. Uh, we will explain why he says that is and what we think about it next on Sports Daily. Ninety-seven five and twelve forty KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here, uh, fired up with our Prairie Fire coffee that we always appreciate around the Odyssey Studios. Mornings at KFH, great cup. I know Jad's had. What are you at, Jad? About six today? Seven, eight, nine? No, just a couple, just two. That's not bad. I I got busy this morning uh, here at home and poured out my coffee. I was I, I was having it and then got like distracted on a on a, on a work call, and then somehow in that distraction poured my coffee out. And so I'm I'm running a little light today. I don't know why I did that, but I did. Uh, but we always appreciate Prairie Fire for that coffee. Steve McIntosh is working on about number nine right now. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. That's my sort of speed there. I, I really do. I don't. I, I. I think I. I think I brew four cups in the morning and then drink that basically from when I wake up or you know a little after seven through the end of this show. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think that's an acceptable amount, right? Uh, you know, it's it's like two of the big mugs I have basically full of coffee. That's sustainable 
like as an everyday habit, right? There are worse habits for us. I'm okay with that. I mean, I I try to, I don't know, I'm usually a two or three cup a day kind of guy. I'm in that middle ground between just needing one of those single serve Keurig type things and having a full pot. So it's kind of like halfway in between. So the single serve doesn't work for me, but a full pot of coffee doesn't work for me either. No, I'm not. I I could drink a full pot because I enjoy it. Yeah, uh, but I don't need it. I usually, so I I usually hit like, and I think this is the case for most men, especially dads probably. But there's like that narcolepsy that kicks in like late afternoon for me. It, so it lasts like late afternoon into probably the early evening, where it's like seriously like there'll be times where I'm like fighting to keep my eyes. so I sort of need that middle of the day little jolt there uh and so that that's that that's my caffeine uh fix you know i feel like i'm kind of a paradox because i can't do black coffee i can't drink just straight up black coffee but when it comes to iced tea i only want plain unsweet iced tea i don't want to put anything in it same with me but i can't do black coffee so it's kind of i gotta doctor up the coffee a little bit like i'll do a little bit of creamer or whatever but then I don't want anything in my in my tea. So I don't know. It's interesting. I'm the same way. We're at the tea store. People always ask, well, what's your favorite? And I'm like, ah, sweet, regular. like, good. And they're like, what? I'm like, I, I know. Like, ease up there. I, I know. Uh, that's that's just what, when I go in, that's usually what I get. I'll tell you, though. So I've always been, a, I, I've always liked energy shots, like whether it's five-hour energy or whatever, because you can just sort of get it over with. Uh, and and we rolled out some little energy shots now that are tea based and they're pretty good. I I've, I usually have one of those a day now. Uh, we'll replace and and be hopefully a, a really nice, sustainable, healthy option. But caffeine's needed. I gotta have it. We appreciate Prairie Fire for bringing it to us in the morning here at Odyssey. So Adam Schefter, Tommy, um, tweeted today, and this isn't like breaking news or anything. Uh, but he, baby, here's his tweet. A trend that's emerged this winter. Many college coaches are tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money, and the new NCAA world and prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches already have left. Many more want to. Uh, that's not breaking news to me. I've always wondered why anybody would want to coach in college more than the NFL because, A, the workload seems exponentially higher because of the recruiting ass, but that was the case before any of this, right? Now it's become more business-like, and I think like the true college football, you know, passionate guys like don't get to do it the same way they used to. Uh, Look, nobody's happy with the Wild West nature of this, I don't think, but it, it is a necessary means to a hopefully better end and that the model has been so busted for so long and and just honestly makes no sense that you had to get into this mess to come out of it in a better way. You just have to. Like, you can't hold kids hostage when they're trying to play. Like, all they want to do is play. You can't not compensate them when there are billions and billions and billions of dollars being made by other people. And it's honestly, like, I sit here and I see that and I'm like, yeah, man, it's your own fault, though. Like, it didn't have to be this way. And it will settle in, and they'll get it figured out. And it's complicated now. It's not always going to be that complicated. It will be much simpler. But it's not shocking to me to see now that college coaches are like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'd rather go to the NFL. It doesn't, why concern, do you think, it doesn't concern me but at why, all. Like, why do you think it is, though? 
because it's organized. You don't think it's a pain for NFL coaches to deal with free agency and all this stuff, but it's an organized method. In college yeah. right now, it's just totally unorganized. But you've also got front offices in the NFL. You've got general managers and you know other front office people to deal with agents and deal with you know all of that sort of thing and, and the salary cap and everything. It doesn't concern me at all because let's be real frank. There are probably a lot of these college coaches that they liked the idea of making a ton of money themselves while coaching players that aren't making anything. Correct. To kind of hold that, it's not really good, hold that pretty over Pretty good them. business model. But yeah, you know, you don't have to deal with contract disputes. You don't have to deal with, you know, players that feel like they should be getting more money. You, you didn't have to deal with all of that. And now you've got a lot of these coaches that are saying, I don't really want that world because now these players are empowered and they're going to be making NIL money. And they might have their own opinions on things, and they might want to go and in, you know improve their brand. They might want to go and try to make more money somewhere else. They might want more playing time because they feel like they can cash in more. I don't know if I want that world. I'm going to go to the NFL where at least I've got a front office that can deal with that sort of thing, can deal with the professional landscape of it. But I will promise you one thing. If these college coaches that are leaving the college ranks to go to the NFL because they don't want to deal with it anymore, if they're doing that, I promise you there are tons of other coaches yeah. that would love to coach in the college ranks. There's not going to be a shortage of head coaches in college no. and there's or, or positional, or positional coaches, or, coaches anything. or anything like yeah. that. It, you're going to have people that are going to fill those roles and it's going to be just fine. Rick says it's also though, just telling kids to quit and not deal with adversity. Um, it's not always about quitting Rick. And I don't like the transfer thing. I mean, it's necessary and it's the right thing to do. Don't misunderstand. Like, it is absolutely not right to hold kids hostage when they're not in a situation they feel like is the best for them to succeed. We don't hold any other student on campus, scholarship or not, to that same standard. We just don't. And so, you know, if you're if you're a if you're an engineering student on scholarship and you're not getting the education that you want, you're not told that you can't then go to a different school or you have to sit out a year like it's ridiculous so the whole notion of it is stupid first and foremost let me just get that out of the way before I say that I don't like that kids are walking away at adversity either I do think that's an important lesson so figure it out right figure out the best way to handle it make some sort of work agreement you know, whatever it whatever it happens to be and needs to be. But at the same time, I mean, Jalen Hurts. Did we not, like, did Jalen Hurts not deserve the opportunity to go play somewhere else when he was forced out? It's a dude at the top of his game in the NFL. Should he have had to just sit there at Alabama when his job was taken? Of course not. It's, I mean, and you see it all over the place. Will Howard. Caleb Should Williams. Will Howard, Caleb, Caleb Williams left with a coach, and that's fine. Will Howard. Should Will Howard not be able to go and be as successful as he can be because Kansas State has a young quarterback they're excited about? And I know he would be a graduate transfer anyway, but you get my point. Like, it's not all just kids who get their feathers ruffled and want to just bail at adversity. It's legitimate opportunities that the kids have worked hard, deserved, and earned to be able to do that too. So I don't like the narrative that it's just 
Can, look, if you hmm, – I almost said a word I probably shouldn't say. Jad, get the button ready. If you think your coach is a jerk and they're mistreating you and it's not going to be a constructive uh, dynamic or relationship, wouldn't you want your kid to be able to go somewhere where they can be in a more constructive relationship that maybe fits them better and helps them be the most successful they can be? I mean, there's we literally hold college athletes to this standard that we don't hold anybody else in society to. You can walk away from your job if you want to. And go find another job. Now, there are contracts that would say, I can't walk away from a TV job and go work at another TV station. That's a work agreement. That's a totally different animal. You're being compensated for that. You're being compensated for that job. And I signed up for that compensation, Mm -hmm. and I understand all these things. So, And and scholarships may say that, but that doesn't make it right. These are are institutions of higher learning. We should all want anybody— in those positions to go be the most successful that they can be. Anybody, any student on campus, student athlete or not. So let's stop with this notion that only athletes should be the entitled whatever you want to call it when they're not in the situation they feel like helps them best succeed. Like that's a it's a double standard that has that will always amaze me that we hold them to. I've often thought about how many players and and specifically football and really, even if you want to dial it in more quarterbacks, but it could be any position. How many college football players over the last 40, 50 years could have blossomed into incredible professional football players, but they were maybe buried on a depth chart with their team at the time, and they didn't have an opportunity to transfer and go somewhere else? They, that, that wasn't there. That, what, the things weren't in place. The mechanisms weren't there to allow them to go and pursue other opportunities. Think of Tom Brady, for example. You know, he was, I know that when he went to Michigan, you know, he wasn't the starter at the time. And there were some things that happened that allowed him to move into that role. And then, of course, he got drafted and became, you know, legendary. What happened? What would have happened had he not been able to get to that starting role at Michigan? And he didn't have any other opportunity to go somewhere else. And to blossom, you know, there are a lot of other players that are like that over the years that, you know, maybe they were the backup or maybe they were the third string and they just didn't get the opportunity. It wasn't the right situation or the right coach or the right coordinator, the right system, whatever that they were playing in. And they didn't have a chance to go and and thrive in a different system or a different coach. And they could have been incredible pros. We'll never know that. But now there are at least ways and roadmaps for players to maximize their talent. And if it's not working in one place, they've always got the opportunity and the chance to go and make it work somewhere else. Yeah, and look, again, there will be a settling of things. Maybe you get that chance for free once, although that's been legally challenged. And I got to tell you, anytime this thing hits the legal system, the legal system is going to look at this and be like, that's ridiculous. Why would you cap that? That doesn't make any sense. We don't do that to anybody else on campus. We don't do it to professors. We don't do it to students. We don't do it to anybody, except for these athletes. Why is that? Because it's been exploitative from the beginning. Coaches hold kids hostage, have. Whether it's on purpose or not, it just was the reality until now. Figure out a way to work with it. And if if you're a coach that wants to run away from it, like you said, Okay, I get it. I wouldn't want to coach in college either. I'd much rather coach in the pros. But somebody's going to be there to take your place. 
That's what. That's a hard lesson for all of us to learn. There's all, we're all replaceable. Every single one of us, right? Uh, 869-1240 on the KFH hotline. Hit us up if you want to. We'll be back. More Sports Daily right after this. and 1240 KFH. Okay, take it easy. We're going on the air. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back in. Wrapping up hour number one, Tim Fitzgerald joins us at the top of the next hour. Tommy Jerry Palm, CBS Sports bracketologist. Uh, updated his brackets here this morning, just in the less less than an hour ago. He's got nine Big 12 teams in right now. So he's got nine Big 12 teams uh, with Cincinnati in the first four out. So it looks like for him, 10 is a possibility. Um, that's where I felt. Look, if I, I, I've told you I, I think it's likely nine, hopefully 10. It looks like that's the way it's shaking out. It is the teams that you'd think it is. And that's going to be a good representation for the league. But as the league grows next year, Tommy, like what's the number then when there's, you know, when there's whatever it is, 16, how many teams are going to be in there next year? Uh, 16. Uh, 16. Yeah, because they lose Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. No, there'd be, yeah, there'd be 16. Because then they add four. 16. I'm not good at math. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they add, what, Arizona and, and all of those teams. So, yeah, yeah it should be 16. So, so then you look at it, and it's like, well, how many is it going to be then, right? Because if you if you went in right now, let me just look at this, if I can do this quickly. Uh, Arizona would obviously be in. Um, so that would add a Big 12 team. Utah would be in. Colorado would be in. Uh, we're up to 12 now. Uh, of the teams coming in, and then you've got um, Utah, who's coming in as a last. Uh, sorry, they're a last four. And I already mentioned them. And then you have uh, Oregon, who won't be in the newest. So you'd have what? What did that make? Twelve, twelve of sixteen. If you look at it, because the teams that are from the Pac-12 that are in right now are all coming to the Big Twelve, except Washington State. They're the one that looks like they're in. That's not coming across. So I, I mean, it's a it's a possibility, and it speaks to it. But I think we've been spot on in what we thought would happen out of the league, at least this year. And it looks like likely nine, maybe 10. Yeah, and that cutoff is going to be pretty harsh, I think. Because as you mentioned, you know, Cincinnati is listed as, you know, the last four, what'd you say, last four out or last four in? Last four out. Last four out. So you've got Cincinnati right on the bubble. Uh, I think that if, I mean, I guess, man, if Kansas State can make a big run down the stretch, and we'll talk to Fitz about this. That's why we bring hour, this up. You know, like yeah. the, they could probably play their way back onto the bubble. I don't think they're on the bubble right now at all. But if they can play oh, no. their way back up no, onto no, no, the no. bubble, you're going to have the, the committee, and they, it happens every single year. <laughs> you know, we're not going to be shocked about it. They always have really difficult decisions. But in this case, you know, depending on how things play out, they could have some really difficult decisions on how many Big 12 teams to include. Because if Cincinnati and Kansas State finish strong, you could make an argument for 11 teams in the Big 12 making the tournament. Yeah, K-State plays at Cincinnati. If Cincinnati loses that game, it would probably knock them out. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's probably either or. 
but they still have, and we've talked about it a million times. Kansas State still has to get better than UCF, also, and then and then you're getting into you know that range a little bit. So it's it's possible. It's not that, and that's why I bring that up. Like they're the the problem for them is Cincinnati right now is 39 in the net. They're 81. Are they going to make up 40 spots? So it's not going to be as simple as the net. It will probably have more to do with quad one wins, of which K-State right now uh, I, I think has. Let me pull up the actual net rankings to see that number. K-State, and in, 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 we brought this up earlier in the week, it's been about you got to have at least like five of those. So if K-State right now is down at 81, uh, they've actually moved up to 77, it looks like, uh, to this morning. So they've only got two quad one wins right now. So you got to get at least three of those. Is on the road at Cincinnati one of them? I'm not sure yet. Kansas and Iowa State certainly would be. West Virginia will not be. BYU could be, you know, by the end of things that you get at home next. I think, Tommy, they're going to have to have some combination here. I think it may need to be all of them. BYU, Cincinnati, Kansas, Iowa State. Maybe it can be three of them and then some tournament noise, but it is out there still. It's out there. Like, it's possible. It's not like a foregone conclusion that they're not in. It's just going to take their best basketball of the season collectively over a period of time here for them to be able to do it. Yeah, they've got to, you know, try to find a way. And I know you mentioned that they play Cincinnati, so that will help. You know, so they, that's going to be key. But then also, you have to look above Cincinnati, too. And uh, Texas... They've been up and down. Oklahoma's kind of on a little bit of a downward trend as of the last week or two. Um, so, you know, I don't think you're going to necessarily leapfrog them, although you are just a game back uh, from both Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. So there's still, at least for those teams, there's still a lot more to shake out. I would imagine, I don't have it up in front of me, I know you do, uh, that Oklahoma and Texas, both of those teams are probably quite a bit higher in the net uh, than Kansas State is. So, there's some work to be done. It's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. They're not completely out of it. They can play their way back on the bubble. But as you mentioned, I agree with you. It's going to take their best basketball down the stretch. We'll talk to Fitz about it next. Do they have it in the tank? That's coming up. Our K-State Insider joins the program when Sports Daily rolls into hour number two. Mornings with Bob and Tom on 97.5 and 1240 KFH, Wichita's most listened to sports radio, always live on the free Odyssey app. Now, from Wichita's most listened to sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH, this is Sports Daily with Jacob Albrock and Tommy Kester. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here. Uh, we've got Tim Fitzgerald we're trying to get in touch with. There's apparently some AT&T outage. Jad, did we get Tim? I think we might be getting Tim. Tim said he's available. So, yeah, so I just text him. Um, yeah, uh, he, he got a spam. You can call him. You'll get him, Jad, I think. Uh, so, I, I, by the way, just while we get that connected, there is some kind of outage happening. I keep getting, you know, messages about, like, things are happening at my kid's school and whatever. So, I'm not sure what's happening uh, with the with the AT&T thing. I haven't, like, followed in on any of that this morning. But Are we getting hacked? Uh, 
good news for yeah. Have we all been <laughs> like hacked? Happened. I don't know. Like we we've got Tim Fitzgerald here, and Fitz, we can forego the intro since we had a little odd connection there. But like yeah, like are, are we all? Is this spamming? Are we like have we fallen for something? What happened? Somebody at AT and T opened that email. They're not supposed to open, didn't they? I I don't know what's going on, but I have AT and T internet, and if I have problems today, I, I'll cry. I'll cry a lot because um, I li- I live and work at home, and that's my connection to the outside world. AT and T don't fa- fail me now. Don't you'll you'll cry more than normal, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. That's that's a good clarification. I cry every day. Uh, Joined well, by world-renowned crybaby Tim Fitzgerald here, uh, Fitz. <laughs> it is where we. So we Jerry Palm put out his bracketology this morning. Nine Big Twelve teams in with one on the bubble, so ten potential. I think that's kind of what we've all felt like was on the horizon this year. Uh, K State's clearly not on the bubble right now. I think the question becomes: Can they get to the bubble? Um, it would, it, it, and, and when you, I, I think the answer to that is yes, but it's like, okay, well then what would it take? And I'm having a hard time finding a path that doesn't include winning all the rest of your games and then maybe, or, or at least all but one of them. And then picking up a couple of wins in the conference tournament, they don't have enough quad one wins right now to be in, but they could get there because they'll probably have at least four more quad one games on the, on the plate there. It's a long road, but I don't think it's an impossible road. It's just improbable. What, what's your take on it? Uh, yeah, I, I'd put it closer to impossible because, um, you know, it's not like – how do I say this? They, they kind of are what they are. They, I'm not sure that they have a sustained gear that they can find on a regular basis. They did it against Kansas. Um I'm not sure you can – this team's capable of putting that kind of energy out. But they've got back-to-back home games here. So BYU on Saturday just becomes enormous. I mean, if you want any hope, like you said, they're clinging to a fiber of hope um, that doesn't involve winning five games in Kansas City. And and it starts Saturday with BYU. If you can't beat them and they're not that good on the road, then, you know, just quit talking about this. And then you got West Virginia and the same thing. I mean, you've absolutely got to win these two games and you got to build some confidence in the process. And I, I think, you know, we saw last night, maybe Cincinnati's beatable at home. Um, I'm shocked that Oklahoma State won there, but I'm sure that's the bubble team uh, in that bracket. And, you know, there's just a lot of work to be done. And then, oh, you get Kansas and Iowa State comes in and Iowa State uh, will come in to close out the regular season possibly with something to prove because they're still in the hunt for the regular season title. This is not a good formula, boys. Well, going back to the big Monday game, Fitz, uh, you know, kind of a slog fest. Texas gets the six-point win against Kansas State. How much of that do you think was a direct result of the quick Saturday to Monday turnaround for K-State? Yeah, I don't don't think any of it. I mean, I'm sure there was some factor there, but that looked like K-State playing K-State style. I mean, they just – they can't take care of the ball well enough. Um, you know, they just – they don't – guys, they don't pass and dribble. And if you have no pass and dribble, you, you just don't have a foundation upon which to build the rest of your game. Uh, and, and that's just really come back to haunt them. I, I think Houston and Iowa State back-to-back exposed it. 
and now everyone's running the script, and uh, this K-State team is just kind of, uh, not, I don't want to say falling apart. They they just can't overcome their shortcomings with defense, and, boy, they do a great job doing that. I mean, you looked at that. If you watched that game, you couldn't figure out how Kansas State was in it based on how they were performing offensively, but defensively they were that good, and they've been that good to keep these games in single digits. Uh, because, honestly, they're not competitive um, when they have the ball offensively. It's just painful to watch right now. It's it's Is it in the tank? Like is K, And I think I've asked this before, but is it in the tank for yeah. K-State to do what it needs to do? Like, is it even in what anything we've seen thus far? I keep going back to that beginning of the Big 12 when they could have been 5-0. and is there anything there? Is the team good enough to pull off what they're going to need to pull off for the miracle? I don't believe they think they are at this point. I think they think they can win. But if you guys have played competitive sports, if you think you can win, you're in trouble. Uh, and that's where they're at right now. They, they really have to assert themselves on Saturday. I mean, you talk about the tank. They need to fill up. And if they can come out and really play well against BYU, shoot it well against a team that really kind of pushed them around in Provo just a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe they re-energize. They fill up their tank a little bit, and then you get West Virginia coming in. Uh, you know, Josh Eiler coming home to his alma mater. Maybe you can fill up your tank a little bit more. But boy, you're you're running out of gas stations, uh, and they got to get it solved real quick. You know, I feel like um, I've tried to you know, kind of find silver linings here and there during this difficult stretch for Kansas State. And um, I think, you know, really it's been over the last several games, the increased effort in rebounding and the way that that rebounding battle has played out. They did get out rebounded on Monday by Texas, but not by a ton. Uh, they've, I feel like they've really recommitted to that. And that's probably going to be something I would imagine down the stretch that's going to be crucial for them to continue to play hard on the boards. Right, and I think that's been a sign of progress. I almost looked at look at this coaching staff right now. We meet with them this afternoon at two. That they're like, what can we solve? What what can we improve upon? Because uh, the turnovers just seem pretty consistent. In fact, they were down a little bit against Texas. The problem was the turnovers they did have were glaring. So I think they focused in on rebounding uh, and defense as areas that they can be good in. Um, and they, they were kind of failing in the rebounding department for no known reason. I mean, that's a, they got out wanted uh, for the ball a lot, um, and I think they've solved that. That's another reason why they're staying in games. Uh, they're, they're playing hard. They just don't play well offensively, um, and I think that it's just a lot to overcome, but the coaches are working really hard to, to solve that problem, and I just don't think they have enough firepower on offense or ability to get into offense in the Big 12. I, I will be interested if this is an NIT team, if you what we see from them after they step out of the Big 12 and maybe take on, quote, lesser competition. Um, because I, I think uh, what's happened in the Big 12 might have, might have really shook this team up and, and questioned itself. And you start questioning yourself, you're in trouble. It, you know, it's been a really interesting path to get to this point. Certainly not a path to this point we expected, but the point at which K-State sits, I mean, if we're being honest, is sort of expected. We knew this was a bubble team anyway this year. At least we, we, we I shouldn't say we knew it. We thought it, 
right? We thought they're yeah. they would be sort of a maybe they can reach the NCAA tournament. So now that we're there, and the path taken there has been a little bit different and maybe more controversial. There's no no chance, right? Like, do you get the sense at all that any momentum that you know exploded out? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as thirty minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have forty-seven new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The gates last year wanes at all moving forward, or is this just a blip on, on a bigger picture radar? I guess that answer awaits in year three. Um, and I'll be very fascinated to see how they remake this roster because technically they don't have many openings on this roster. Um, so unless guys go into the portal or, um, you know, they, they've got some they older guys that could could be done um, but could come back. Um, we'll just see how it all shakes out. But, yeah, how many guys go into the portal at the end of the season? How many guys on this team um, that, you know, aren't providing enough depth and quality depth, uh, do they decide, well, he's young, but he ain't getting there on our watch, or, you know, whatever their decision-making is. They're going to have to create space, I think, for at least three portal additions if they want to remake this team. Uh, And, um, you know, David Castillo will help a lot as a true point guard, but he's also going to be a freshman. Um, So I think they've got a lot of work to do in the portal. And year three will tell that story. If they can reinvent themselves and go find the right guys in the portal, I think that if there was an NIL problem last season with recruiting, it's been solved. Um, the Kansas State has really stepped up. The Wildcat NIL has. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But year three is huge for Jerome Tang. It really is. We haven't talked about this in quite a while. You mentioned you know, year three for Jerome Tang. Where do things stand from your perspective on Coach Tang, I mean, obviously there was quite a bit of drama early on in the season um, that was you know, really not related to the play on the court at all, as we all know. But now you're kind of going through a tough stretch in conference play, um, and you know it's adversity. And, and if there's anybody that can you know motivate a team through adversity, it's Jerome Tang. So from your perspective, where do you think things stand for him and what he wants to do in the future? Does that include K State? Where do you stand on all of that? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, of course, um, it's kind of all quiet right now and on the job hunt, and at least publicly. You know, Ohio, Ohio State has an opening that, you know, they're they're probably talking to agents behind the scenes in a search committee. And you can see programs like Louisville and Michigan come open. Um, I think Jerome Tang uh, will be a hot commodity um, because of that first season. But honestly, did this season damage his reputation at all? I don't think so. I think he's going to be – uh, desired out there, and, and uh, he'll have some decisions to make, at least possibly. Uh, but again, you know, if he gets too wrapped up in that, 
and distracts himself, we could be in for a rough season three of Jerome Tang basketball. Um, they're at a point now where, you know, they need to be all in or or be out, to be honest. And, and if the, this lingers on, if there's some doubt and it affects recruiting, boy, it, that's when you get into big trouble. Do you think bridges are mended from the Naquan Tomlin situation with Tang and administration? No, well, no. some administration? No. No, 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 no. It, it, I don't believe so. I think it's just, uh, um, you know, you, you learn to uh, work through a problem and uh, work through something that isn't ideal. Uh, but, uh, no, I think uh, there's still a lot of lingering things, and I've, I've learned more about the situation. I'm not talking about publicly at this point because it's in season uh, that, you know, I can see why he would be still distracted by it. Well, it took overtime, Fitz, but last night the Kansas State women get a big victory over West Virginia. Aoka Lee back in a big way, 34 points for her in 26 minutes of action uh, as the 10th-ranked Wildcats get the nine-point victory over the Mountaineers. As we move forward with Kansas State and the, and the women, where do you think things stand with them? Are they back on track after kind of a, a rough stretch and, of course, missing Aoka for that, that period of time? Yeah, yeah. Uh... That's a good win. I, you know, it's kind of funny. I was really busy yesterday with a bunch of stuff and been in the studio and uh, we wrapped up recording some stuff. And then uh, Zach Carlson, one of my employees and I, and my wife went to dinner and the game was on. I thought, holy crap, I totally forgot. I mean, I've just been in my own world. I looked up and saw, oh, K-State's winning by seven. They're going to win this game. I didn't see it was overtime. Uh, so uh, they got pushed pretty hard by a really good West Virginia team. Lee was incredible considering, you know, she's still kind of beaten up a little bit. Um, they're going to have to find ways to rest her and play her and rest her and play her, I think. But she was a warrior. And, you know, now Sundell apparently got banged up. She came back in. But, um, you know, she's she's that tough point guard you got to have. So, I mean, if it's an ankle, you know, maybe they can get her back to where she needs to be. But, um, yeah, this, this is a Final Four quality team if, they can get healthy enough to be that team and uh, they're going to be, you know, a high seed. So they'll get to post at home for a couple rounds. And uh, that's just a huge advantage, uh, particularly when you have a home crowd like K-State does. And, and I think uh, we'll, we'll find out about this team, particularly in Kansas city, when they get to the big 12 event the tournament and, and see where they're at. Yeah. They, they've got a, I mean, is there any chance Lee is totally healthy by the postseason, or is this just going to be their reality? Yeah, I think this is, you know, a reality of sorts. Uh, and they just have to keep her healthy as possible. You know, when you get into that tournament environment, particularly in, in Kansas city, uh, you know, you start playing, you know, day, two days in a row, I know they're going to have a Sunday off in Kansas City um, from the bracket because of BYU being in the conference. And I think, you know, maybe that's an added day of rest. Of course, they'll have the double bye. Uh, so that's some rest. So you just got to steal whenever you can to to get her rested up and try to get her healed up. And I, I don't know how they'll do it, but, um, you know, I think we all agree she's pretty darn crucial to their, their hopes of going deep in the NCAA tournament. Well, and she, you know, Caitlin Clark, and and some other headliners are there, but she's as good as anybody in the country at what she does. I, I do yeah. want to ask you, Fitz, we got the five and seven model confirmed for the CFP. Uh, I, I've, I've maintained from the beginning that 
you know, that is as critical to the future of the sport as anything else is making sure these there's representation in the CFP. I, I am so excited that that's finally like off the table of some at-large tournament. This will be way better. What was your take on getting the five and seven model news? Uh, I'm going to take you right into your break with a rant. Uh, the news that the SEC and Big Ten wanted four spots apiece is offensive and just the opposite of what you said. It, it's not inclusive, not good for the game. It's good for them. Um, and I keep coming back to this sentence. What are they worried about? Why do they need to have reserve spots? Because they can't earn it. They know that their fourth team isn't going to be as good as the second team in the conference. But here's what I come back to. There's 12 openings. Um, if the Big 12 and ACC get two apiece and there's one, you know, non-Power 5 team, that's five. That's seven openings. That's not enough to satisfy your lust for money. Um, you know, and but that's what it comes down to. They worry that they're not good enough to beat out the third team in the Big 12 or the ACC because, in reality, a conference like the Big 10 probably isn't as, as assured of that third spot as you would think. So they just went for four. It, guys, it's nuts. The commissioners of the Big 10 and, and SEC are going to absolutely destroy college sports with this greed, and if they don't stop and if the rest of college athletics don't step up to them, uh, they will destroy college football. Um, well, but they're not getting that, see. right? They're they're not getting that. They, no. We are getting five conference champions in. And the the ask is so offensive, everyone should be really angry. And keep in mind, this is a temporary solution. They still, I believe, have to negotiate what it's going to look like in 2026. Um, you know when. Uh, the new contract takes over the contract where they don't have a, a television partner yet. Uh, and, uh, you know, they'll go back to work for it then. And I keep asking the question, what are they scared of? They don't want to compete on the field fairly for spots in the playoff because they know they don't deserve it. If they knew they deserved those spots and they could prove it on the field, they would do it. They can't, so they won't. Uh, and they're going to keep asking for you know, world domination until, you know, someone gives in and votes in their favor. Uh, and it's just got to be stopped. Yeah, it's probably more the big. I, I, I doubt there will be very <clears throat> many years, realistically, that the SEC doesn't have four teams in. But, I, it, you know, the Big Ten right. hasn't – the Big Ten's been too top-heavy. Maybe Washington and Oregon changed that. I agree with you. What are you scared of? And then with the new television deal coming up, the other college sports topic out there, this network, this combined network – uh, yeah. With potential joining of forces between a few, I don't. That one to me, like I don't even have a take on it. What does it do to current deals in place? What does it do? Like I don't know what to make of all of that. Good, bad, like I, I really don't. Like I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. I'm with you. It feels like a, a grand idea that's on the the whiteboard in a conference room, and they're really excited about it. When they get down to the nuts and bolts that you just mentioned, I I can see that it's falling apart. I really can. Uh, I, I'm worried about Fox and ESPN joining forces with this streaming and somehow joining forces in colluding to suppress prices for bidding. Um, I, I hope a CBS steps in. Uh, you know, 
CBS Paramount Plus isn't actually part of this. Turner is that their entity for the basketball tournament is. Um, I, I someone's got to stop this. I just see these forces conspiring. Where this is the same debate. This is ESPN uh, and Fox representing the SEC and Big Ten here, and I can I can see them really conspiring to try to suppress the bidding prices for a lot of you know rights in the future. Uh, because, again, we're seeing just massive greed in college sports that's going to destroy everything. Well, um, we appreciate it, Fitz. We'll end on a on a Debbie Downer there. But uh, glad your Internet is working wow, wow. for now. You can find all the work at GoPowerCat.com. You can follow Fitz on social media at Life of Fitz. We'll see if we can pull a miracle off here with the K-State men. It's at least got us intrigued. I'm pretty Pretty excited about that BYU test this weekend. It's got to start somewhere, and they got to have that one. Yeah. So we'll look forward to it, and I'm sure you guys will have it all covered at GoPowerCat.com. Absolutely. Lots of coverage up at GoPowerCat, and we'll have more between now and tip-off. It, this is a huge game. They absolutely – they don't just need to win. They need to, they, they need to feel good about how they won, uh, and I, we'll see if they can pull that off. And you'll hear it right here on KFH. Fitz, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, boys. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll digest a little of that and move forward with the day in the sporting world as we make our way through this Thursday of Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily. If you missed anything with Tim Fitzgerald, you can go back and listen to that for free on the Odyssey app. Uh, KFH and Taco Bell have your chance to win a trip for two to the College Hoops Championship Tournament in Kansas City. That's March 13th through the 16th to cheer on our Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa teams. The trip includes two all-session tournament passes and three nights hotel accommodations. To enter, simply text TBBIG to the number 20357 Want a complimentary breakfast burrito? Just go to kfhradio.com, click on the events page, download the voucher, and then head to any Wichita and surrounding Taco Bell locations, with the exception of Hutchinson. Your chance to see the College Hoops Championship Tournament and snag a complimentary breakfast burrito from Taco Bell happens here on KFH. We are getting close to the postseason in college basketball, Tommy. We got the news earlier this week that the Big 12 Media Days are going to move to Vegas. And I know we've had assurances that, you know, Kansas City's locked in as the Big 12's host city, but it does make me wonder. I wonder how long that is in the best interest of the Big 12. It's certainly in the best interest of our region. Uh, We love that that tournament's in Kansas City. It is one of my favorite events every year. If you've never been up, it is a blast uh, to bring all the fan bases together down there in downtown Kansas City. You're going to add four teams in now. I mean, could you imagine and can you imagine what that tournament's going to be like? when you've got Arizona fans in there and the way that they'll travel most likely, like you're going to have a conference tournament in Kansas city featuring, you know, four or five of the top programs in the cuts can be incredible. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, with Kansas city, part of the reason why, you know, maybe they're locked in for the foreseeable future is just because it is pretty centrally located, you know, especially when you've added but teams like, but it won't like, be anymore. Well, right. I mean, it kind of will because you've still got UCF and you've got West Virginia. 
You've got oh, that's you've true. got Cincinnati. That's true. You know, you've got teams that are on the the eastern side of the country, so it is yeah. still you know pretty much centrally located. Now that being said, you know the media days happening in Vegas. That's not centrally located because you've got teams from again the East Coast and Florida and all of that flying yeah. all the way to Vegas for media days. But day. you don't so, have fans really yeah. having to do True. that. Good I point. suppose would be the one difference. The fans aren't traveling to media days. I don't know how long. I mean, I hope it's sustainable forever. I hope that tournament stays in Kansas City forever. I really do. It's so built for it. It is so much fun if you haven't been to go down at Power and Light and just see, like, the seas of colors of different— Like, Iowa State takes over. I'm going to tell you right now. Iowa State takes over PNL and they party yeah, hard. Yeah, they travel really well. They do, and they and they embrace it. And, I'm t- like, you, you, you know, when I used to cover that tournament working— You'd stay down there. You'd get done with your work late. You'd be like, all right, I'm going to run over across the street and grab a beer whatever. And it's just Iowa State everywhere, and it's so cool. Like, it's fun. They're a blast. And I remember I was walking around, and this was probably, again, after a long day of work. And at that point, it was probably like, I just need some food. And I'm walking around, like, the backside of where those bars are. I don't. I probably got lost because, you know, I didn't know my way around down there. And it, it's like a mountain of empty kegs back there like just a, seriously a mountain of empty kegs and then i walk around the other side and see how hard like the iowa state crews partying and everything i'm like oh this is this kind of party okay uh and then you just sort of take it all in it, it is a cool event and it is look it's not just a big like frat party or anything like that like it's it's fan friendly it's kid friendly uh i'm talking about what happens like late night down at pnl but otherwise it's a, it is they do a really really good job with the big 12 tournament uh, and I hope it stays that way. I hope Kansas City is able to maintain that uh, because the reality is if they can, it's just going to put this region on the map as a really cool place, and, and you will have new people able to come in and see what kind of a city. I mean, there's not a city in the country with as much buzz as Kansas City right now, and that's thanks to the Chiefs, and that's thanks you know, probably to the fact that people realize how many like very famous comedians are from Kansas City that have – like exploded their careers and how public facing they are with their support of Kansas City, but it's as it's as hot, uh, you know, a city as there is in the country. Uh, in the Big Twelve tournament, it's one of the best things, in my opinion, that it does. Uh, this isn't about the Big Twelve tournament, but it got me thinking about conference tournaments. And I don't know about you, I I really miss Arch Madness. I miss the Missouri Valley tournament, really, and, and Wichita State playing in it in St. Louis because. I always felt like that yeah. was a lot of fun too, and I know it's a little bit further away than Kansas City is. Um, but well, man, it's further I feel away like, than Fort Worth is yeah. too. Yeah, and I, 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 mean, I just felt reality. like you know, years and years, like that was a really well done. And I know it, you know, obviously the Missouri Valley still has their tournament. Wichita State's not a part of it anymore, but that was always fun and you know, fun postseason play. And um, I don't know, I just I got to thinking about that earlier. I'm like, I kind of miss Arch Madness. It was fun because the Shockers traveled to it so well. It was fun because it always took place at a different time, so it got the spotlight to itself a little bit. Because um, it was always I, the weekend would, before right, Selection yeah. Sunday, right? Yep. Okay. So you'd have like a full week to just sit there and stew. But it did put them on their own platform, yeah. which was cool. I, um, I think Fort Worth is probably a perfect place to do a tournament. The problem is it's correlated to Wichita State coming out of its glory years, right? That tournament being in for I think, you know, in the early AAC days, that tournament was in what? Like Orlando or something, I think. I can't even remember now. 
And then they moved it to Fort Worth, and it's like, well, this is perfect, but it's sort of happened right as the shockers have trended downward, right? The COVID year, I believe, was the first year of Fort Worth, and that's when the shockers drove down, got off the bus, got back on the bus, and drove home, and they didn't play. So I, I think that it has just like oozes potential to be just an incredible spot. Like if I'm going to visit somewhere, uh, going to Fort Worth is – have you ever been to Fort Worth? I have, yeah. Fort Worth's awesome. Fort Worth is really cool. Like to me, Fort Worth's way cooler than Dallas. Fort Worth feels a little bit more intimate. It is like they do a really fun job of embracing like a like a cowboy culture, even though it's a city. I mean, it's metropolitan. They still like you get a good flair of Texas in Fort Worth, and and I think it's a you know the boots and everything. I think it's a cool spot, and I do think it's going to serve as a really nice host city. We just need the Shockers to be so good that they're going down there, you know, as a favorite to really get people amped up. It's closer, right? How far is St. Louis from Wichita? Oh, uh, what, like seven hours, I think? I think so. So, I mean, Fort Worth is closer. It's easier to get to. It's easier to fly. Well, it may not be easier to fly to anymore. It probably is. E- it's as easy to fly to. Or if you're going to drive, I have to go to, you know, corporate meetings sometimes, you know, from time to time. Like, it's it's an easy drive. You just literally drive south. You get on 135, and you drive south, and that's pretty much it. Like, you have a little veering from that at the very end, uh, but it's an easy drive. I don't know. Like, I, Wichita is I, – I, there's also a part of me that wishes they would rotate tournaments, like, to, to the some of the hosts, you know, like they do in the other sports. Like, we get softball and stuff like that because Wichita would be an awesome host city too, just like it was for the NCAA tournament. Like, how cool would that be if you could get, like, an AAC basketball tournament in Wichita once every – the problem is it would come like, I mean, how many times do you rotate? Like once every, I mean, it's not, you're not going to have every city host. But there, you could have a tournament in Memphis. You could have a tournament in New Orleans. Uh, you'd have a, the possibility to have a tournament in Houston. You'd have one in in DFW through SMU. Like, they, they, not for long, though. I guess SMU's leaving. But Maybe North not. Texas, Maybe the you, best. Could, you could have North Texas. Yeah, you could. You, you could. That. You could. Yep. You could get on board. You with could North go to Texas. San Antonio oh, for a for a year. You know, do something uh-huh. down there. Yeah, it, and that's what they'll do in the other sports. Probably not the way to do it in basketball. I mean, I, there's not a league that does that in basketball. I don't think it's all. I mean, it was centrally located when I was covering a Division two school. It was in the same place every year, uh, but it it did anyway. Long story short, I, I the Vegas thing and and our promo there. Um, got me to thinking, like, boy, I hope they don't ever move the Big 12 basketball tournament because it really is. It's as fun. Honestly, it's probably more fun than covering the NCAA tournament because you get just a little bit more access at the Big 12 tournament than you do in the NCAA tournament. And and I just I have so many fond memories of it. And, and there will definitely be a point when my kids get a little older, like we're going to go up and like lock into the Big 12 tournament, and just hang out and watch a ton of basketball and do that stuff. Uh, but, you know, hopefully for a long time. I don't remember what the agreement is. I know they just came up with with another one, but it's not it's not going to be it's probably not going to be forever. Uh, but hopefully it's for a short period of time. Uh, another headline this morning time. We talked about this to some degree yesterday. The Justin Fields thing. Uh, the Instagram thing. How? What do we make of not following your team or the NFL? He went on the St. Brown Brothers podcast and basically said he just needs to take a break. Like I, I'm, I can't. You know that I can't. Like I can't follow this stuff. What does it mean to unfollow somebody? I, I mean, I don't know. I feel guilty when 
you know, I see on Facebook that I have a friend request that's been there for like two and a half years that I I don't think I ever even saw to begin with. Like, what does it mean to unfollow somebody on Instagram? And also, like, who's tracking this? Like, who's keeping track of who Justin Fields follows on Instagram? My biggest takeaway from all of this is I didn't know that the St. Brown brothers had a podcast. I feel like, is that now a thing? If you are brothers in the NFL, you have to have a podcast. Is that the way? Like, it's kind of, it seems like a Kelsey brothers knockoff. Well, you've got the McCourty, you got the McCourty brothers, our our, uh, color analyst on Westwood One. We hear them all the time on KFH. They do an alternate broadcast, or at least they did a couple games last year, I think for Patriots games, I want to say. Um, so okay. I feel like it, that's kind of a thing now. So if you've got a brother and you're playing in the NFL, you've got to get together. You've got to do some kind of media with that brother. I think it's kind of the way that the trend is moving towards. I had no idea that because uh, obviously Amon Ra, right, is one of them. Yep. And Aquaminius. Uh, Aquaminius is the other one. Uh, those are they've got crazy names, which is incredible yeah. names. I, I I don't even know that I said Aquaminius' uh, name correctly. He's not as good as Amon Ra, but uh, there—you have to. I mean, you have to take advantage. But also on that, with, with the amount of brothers, and you had the Barber brothers, and you got the Mannings. Uh, if you ever—you know, if you're out there and you're wondering if in third grade you need to take your kid and put him through, like, six days a week camp and grueling to try and make them— you know, an NFL player right now, understand that genetics is, I don't know, 95% of the equation here. Like, no matter what you do, sometimes genetics just wins. And and the brother combinations of the NFL should tell us that as much as anything. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it takes, it takes more than, you know, chasing your kids around like crazy uh, nine days a week to get it done. Uh, as much as I enjoy doing that, as we have you know, a day of practice and a game day for our third grade basketball, I'm like, man, I don't know how some people can keep up with this. And I know a lot of a lot of people do, and they love it. And I'm like, my God, I'm already exhausted uh, trying to do because you got more than one kid. Then what are you going to do? That's all you're doing. It's a it's a crazy world. I don't know how I went down that rabbit hole, but you said brothers, and I thought about this the other day. I'm like, it's like genetics. Are, are always the top priority of what's going to what it's going to take to be a great athlete like if you know unfortunately Tommy like me I'm probably I'm not going to say it's impossibility but I'm probably not going to create a pro basketball player you know you unless so? they get like none of my genetics and all of you know, a, a, a bit. I, mean, I guess you could hit the. I guess you could hit the genetic lottery and and only take those things and end up with a kid that's basically taller than anybody else in in his family. Uh, but probably not going to happen, no matter what we do. Look, uh, I don't need. You know. I don't need a pro athlete uh, to be one of my kids. If I can just get a scholarship, some kind of scholarship, you know, for yeah. for my boys to take care of a college, video game scholarship. You can do that. You know. It doesn't have to be an ath- athletic thing. Just some kind of scholarship. No. Uh, that, that's what I'm looking for. You've got golf in your back pocket. Golf's the outlier here. Golf isn't as much a genetic thing, I don't think, um, as it is like just have access. As you know, there's there's an access piece to that. Certainly, um, I, I need that would be the way to go. Like I need my kids to be good golfers uh, because then then maybe we'll 
we'll get in the mix there. But you've got one. I've seen some of the videos of your man uh, of your son. I took just him. It. I took him to the driving range on Monday, uh, Monday afternoon. Nice afternoon. Took him out there. He had never been out to a driving range before, and I kind of hesitated because there are people that are practicing and I don't you know want a toddler bothering them and I don't want him running around and I thought he might run out to the range and maybe get hit and I just didn't want to chase him around but I was like we're gonna try it gonna give it a chance that kid stood on the driving range for over an hour and just hit golf balls and didn't move and what I, I had to drag him away kicking and screaming he, he wanted to stay longer than than what he did so I don't know. I've, I think I've created some kind of golfing monster. He's only two, uh, but he's obsessed with it. It's impressive. I give my four-year-old son a golf club, and everybody around better look out because he's either smashing that thing into the ground or it turns into a sword, and he's going to go to town on somebody. So uh, what I, we, do, we, are not, we don't have that gift of golf patience in our kids. I, they all took like golf camp uh, this past year. And I think they had kind of fun with it, but they didn't have that. Didn't have that, like, natural affinity to it by any means. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I I need them to play just so they'll play with me and I can have an excuse to go play. Yeah, that's, but, a, that's an added benefit. That's a side benefit yeah. of it. I walked out the door this morning. You know what was on TV when I was walking out the door that my two-year-old was watching? The PGA Golf Tournament that was currently on TV at that time. Wasn't watching cartoons. Didn't have Bluey on. He was watching the golf tournament. I don't know. It's weird. Watch out, Charlie Woods. Isn't that Tiger's son's name, it Charlie? Is. Look out. Look out. Here he comes. In 16 years. He'll get there. Could, you, could, you, could we just live vicariously through your pro golfer son, please? Well, I'm hoping to live vicariously through him. Well, no, I'm saying, like, is there room on the bandwagon? I just want him, you know, if he can buy me a house someday, if he's on the PGA Tour... You know, if I can travel all around the world to watch him golf, I'm on board with that. You're, you're ignoring my question. Well, the answer is no. Is I mean, there room? Not for is you. Is there room on the bandwagon? Not for, for me, absolutely. Not not for you. Fine. I'll remember that when I've got a kid that's like some, when, when my son's a rock star someday, because <laughs> I feel like that's his path right now. He loves to scream and smash things, and he's musically, I think, inclined. 869-1240. On the way out, let's give away some HTO free iced tea uh, for any of the locations in Wichita, East or West, or in Derby. We'll get you a free iced tea and a free brew house coffee in Derby or Wichita East. Jad will get us a winner, 869-1240. Good luck. Enjoy the drinks on us here at KFH. We'll come back last full segment right after this. Congratulations, Scott, for winning our HTO giveaway. Tommy, are you excited about the EA College football coming back? Yeah, I loved that game when it was out 10, I mean, 12 years ago. That game. Had it, played it all the time, um, and then it went away. And you know what? Honestly, up until, gosh, maybe five or six years ago, I would occasionally still pull out one of the old versions and you know have some fun with it. Uh, so I'm glad it's coming back. It's going to be awesome. I saw today there is the plan now to compensate the athletes for their name, image, likeness, that kind of thing. And from what I read, and this was on the ESPN article, it'll be about 11,000 athletes eligible, and they're each going to get essentially a $600 check and a copy of the game, which is you know probably going to cost about 70 bucks. 
So before you scoff at $600 and think, well, that's not nearly enough, imagine, though, that they are doing that 11,000 times. That's a little over $6.5 million they're shelling out. That's not bad, right? That's a pretty big commitment, I would say, from EA Sports to you know to be able to do this because the reality is they've been highly successful without using names on that video game franchise, right? Like they just, they never had the names before. And now that they can actually have them, you know, six and a half million dollars, that's not a bad deal for the players that get a nice little $600 check for the, you know, there are going to be some players who are certainly be more valuable than that. And there were, there would also be a lot of players who have absolutely no value to EA sports. So I'm okay with the blanket, you know, money for all of them combined and i would imagine that there are some conversations like to whoever the cover athlete is maybe that's a separate issue or whatever but i'm okay with six hundred dollars a pop on that i think the only thing that i think about uh with it and in principle i'm okay with that that payment i just think about royalties and there aren't any royalties with this uh so the athletes get a one-time how do you determine that? i know that's the tough part but I mean, if you had a – so, like, you look at, like, the NFL, uh, like Madden or Major League Baseball has video games, things like that. There are agreements with the different players associations, with the unions, with these professional sports. And, you know, I would imagine – I don't exactly know how those deals are played out. I don't think it's a blanket thing. I think it's more like a royalty-based, you know, type situation, money going to the union, and you know, and, and, that, and then it's distributed out that way. Well, college athletes, they, I mean, there's not a union. There's not, you know, an, yeah, an association know. like that. So you get paid once. I know it would be nearly impossible to figure out royalties and all of that. But I mean, you can think about out, the money though. that's being it's made not like on the, the athletes game. have to do it. Right. Think well, about I know. the money that's being made on the game. And if each one is going to run 60 to $70, uh, you know, you're getting paid 600 bucks. I don't know. It does make it a lot more they, messy, but I. They got to pay the schools to use the branding. I mean, there's a lot of things they're going to in licensing that they have to navigate and deal with. And the reality is the players can turn it down and just not have their name image likeness used. So if you're, you know, if you're uh, Avery Johnson and you don't want your name on there, I guess you could just say no to the $600. The reality is, though. If we're trying to teach young people how to be. Uh, how to market themselves. Tommy, if you were advising a star athlete, would you say, no, I think you should hold out for more, or no, don't give them your name, image, and likeness for only $600, or would you say, boy, that is a platform that could make you a whole lot of money in other places because you might be everybody's favorite player on that video game. Now maybe they're buying your T-shirt or they're doing whatever it else it is you have cooking. I would say take the 600 bucks, take the platform, and let's see what we can do with this thing. Yeah, I get that. And I think that if, you know, you've got people that are advising these college athletes, it is a good opportunity for them on a mass scale, you know, to continue to build those brands. So, like I said, in principle, principle, I don't have an issue with it. I did think about royalties, but it would be pretty messy to try to figure that out. It'd be pretty messy. And think about, like, the Super Bowl halftime performance. Usually those, those artists don't get paid. They just want the platform. Right. And so I, I think I think that that's reasonable. I, I don't I don't think I ha- and I could change my mind on that, I guess. But I don't think I have any issue. I actually kind of like it. I think it's pretty good. Six and a half million dollars put in by EA Sports to do that. Maybe that number goes up in the future. I don't know. But it's a good to good starting point. Eight six nine twelve forty. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on the networks tonight. Next.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.